Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to this episode of MedHeads. And today we have with us Zoe Lance, who works in a transition care program. Hello, Zoe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. So can you just explain a little bit about your background? You know, what, what do you do in this transition care program? Yeah, so um, my background is as a nurse. So I've worked as a nurse for about maybe six to seven years. And I currently work in a program called Transition Care. So this sort of minimises the long length of stay for elderly clients in hospital, like gen med wards and rehab wards and things like that, where the discharge planning is making them stay in hospital for longer. So Transition Care is a program that helps alleviate that risk um, and get them back into a safe and known environment such as home or we have residential transition care sites as well if they need a little bit extra care before planning home or permanent care so there's community and there's residential transition care program so i conceptualize transition care as a kind of a halfway house between acute care in a hospital and being able to manage at home Mm -hmm. is that a fair approximation of what it is yeah, um, most likely they um, the clients come from rehab or gem wards, so, you know, geriatric evaluation. Well, what's a rehab and a gem ward? So gem wards are more specific to elderly clients, so they've got geriatric evaluation management is what it stands for, and these clients are clients who have falls um, and usually over a certain age of between 50 to 60 end up in gem wards, so it's a slower, longer rehab uh, and more tailored to elderly clients. So we're more likely to get transition clients from gem wards um, than rehab wards because rehab's a bit more um, intense than gem and faster paced. So yeah, it's, it's really important to understand that as you get older, your ability to recover from any kind of acute insult, any kind of illness mm-hmm. diminishes. And so it just takes longer to get over things. So, you know, if someone who gets a chest infection in their 20s and 30s could be over it within, you know, two or three weeks, someone who gets a, a pneumonia in their 60s or older, it can take them months to get back over this. And that's where we may step in for things exactly like that's that. Where, yeah. So that's where we might get a referral from an acute ward. Um, yeah. Gem is, you know, there might be acute, uh, you know, community-acquired pneumonia um, that mm-hmm. takes, you know, a long time to get over, but also mm-hmm. they've um, had deterioration in their physical function as well, and mm-hmm. probably a cognition with delirium associated. So therefore, they're not at their pre-morbid level of function, um, and to be able to give them that time to declare themselves, social workers and medical staff on the wards may refer to the ACAS team first, which is Aged Care Assessment Service. They will come to the ward and assess an, a client for what they're eligible for, where that might be flexible care, transition care, respite, and home care packages. Once um, the referral to transition care is completed, um, a person like myself would get the referral and go and see the client in hospital. Now, it depends on whether they're applying for residential transition care or whether they're applying for community. I personally work in the community sector. So... I might go see the client and the family and do an initial assessment on them to talk about their past medical history, their social history, 
sort of like the biopsychosocial model, I guess, you work on. Um, and then you sort of get an idea on what the family and the client have as goals. And they may involve things like um, walking around the house with the four-wheel frame independently. Um, it might be meal preparation independently, using my medication by myself again, um, and getting my personal care and ADLs back to pre-morbid function or, you know, a goal in between. And All right. So what I'm hearing then is that transition care is merely one way of dealing with the potential discharge of a patient from an acute setting. Yeah. And even, even that transition care can be multifaceted in terms of setting. It can be in, a, in an establishment or it can be at home. So how do you make that judgment that someone would be fit for transition care at home versus transition care in a, in a unit? in a residential care unit? Yeah, so it's all client case-by-case -case basis and usually mm -hmm. this is determined by the MEDT team, so multidisciplinary team in the hospital, um, but also up to the client themselves. So a good example would be somebody who would go to residential TCP over community is let's say they're not fully um, functioning on weight bear status. So we have a fall, we have a fracture, and now we're in our partial weight bear status or our non-weight bear status. We can't even participate in gym yet. So we may go to residential TCP because we've got nurses 24-7 or PCAs and we've got staff available to help us with our ADLs. Um, and right. so, Can I just stop you there? What's, a T what's TCP? What's ADL? And you've explained what gym is, but what's, what's TCP and ADL and a PCA? Okay, so TCP is just the acronym for Transition Care Program. Um, yeah. ADLs is Activities of Daily Living. So that'll yeah. be things like us taking care of ourselves, showering, dressing, um, you know, eating, drinking, all of those sort of things. Um, yeah. And PCA is Personal Care Assistance. So you'll see those sort of um, people in aged care facilities. So what's the difference between a personal care assistant and a nurse? Um, so a nurse sort of would, would definitely be looking more um, at the client in a medical perspective and looking at the whole of the client and dealing with their medications and their medical assessments, where a personal care assistant, as it says, it sort of um, tends to your personal care needs, taking you to the toilet, helping you with food, assisting you with your activities of daily living. And predominantly you'll see those um, people in in-home care services and in aged care facilities. All right. So they're not necessarily APRA, in fact, they're not APRA registered personal care assistants, no. but nurses are, is that right? Yes, that's right. Right, okay. So what you're saying then is that the decision about going to residential TCP versus home TCP is based on an assessment of the patient's physical status. And the example that you gave was weight bearing. Are there any other examples that you can give that would suggest that someone needs residential TCP rather than home TCP? Yeah. Um, next of kin, so family being away and not able to assist with um, going back home. Um, home renovations, which may mean yeah. like occupational therapist has popped in some things like rails or things that would make home safe, but it's not safe quite yet. Um, or the client's confidence because they can stay in um, residential transition care and then move to community transition care because the program yeah. goes for up to 12 weeks. 
So you could do a couple right. of weeks in residential and hopefully if there was a package available, move into community um, right. within your 12 weeks. So you're, you, you're predominantly involved in residential TCP, right? So you've been referred this patient from a gem ward, so an elderly care ward in a hospital. Yeah. That patient, does that patient have to have an ACAS assessment before they get to you or can they be referred to you prior to the ACAS assessment? Well, the ACAS assessment either has to be organised that it's going to happen before um, or yeah. it has to, be, has to happen before. They cannot come into transition care without an ACAS assessment, without the ACAS right. okay. card. All right. So, and the ACAS basically unlocks the door to transitional care, uh, mm -hmm. tra tra transition care uh, planning and the program. Yeah. So, you then get the referral, you make the decision that they're fit for uh, home transition care programming. Yeah. What interventions do you actually put into the home to facilitate that? And what are the goals for that person in home TCP? Are we talking community TCP? So, we're going home? Yeah. We're going home. Yeah. Okay, so with myself, when I've done the initial assessment, we talk about goals. Um, and like I said before, that might be things like becoming more independent with your medication management. It might be mobility. It may be other things. So what would initially happen was I would speak to the family and the client and talk about some services that we can help um, put in place to sort of help them with their activities of daily living. So what services would they be? Okay, so things such as nursing, we would we could put in uh, like RDNS or Bolton Clark or something like that, where they would come in. Um, district nursing would come in and help them with their medications, with education, diabetes management, wound care. So we could organise that um, depending on what the client needs. I'd get that information from the ward. Um, and we could also implement personal care and home help. And things like um, home help would be tidying up, cleaning a little bit. Um, usually that's about weekly or fortnightly. And personal care, we usually in-state up to three to five times a week, depending on the client's needs. Um, and it could also be things like meal preparation. But it is important to stipulate that in transition care, we offer up to 11 and a half hours a fortnight of um, care services and additional to the 11 and a half hours is Bolton Clark um, nursing management um, and physio and OT. But the 11 and a half hours is mainly to cover things such as home help, meal preparation, personal care, and things that um, respite, in home respite as well. So, it, would it be fair to say that really you act as a planning and a coordination service to actually arrange? community services to input into into the patient yes yeah um, and yeah. also um longer term discharge planning so the client um may be on our service for up to 12 weeks but the most common in community is people stay between six to eight um yeah. and that's because the goals are sometimes achieved by then and right. with reference to their previous aged care assessment that they would have had done before transition care um we can sort of start reinstating or putting them on the wait list for home care packages and reinstating community council supports to happen post-TCP. So 
I mean, you know, that's all well and good. So, you know, the patient has an acute insult, goes to an acute hospital, then has an ACAS assessment, then gets referred to TCP and gets assessed by you as fit for home TCP. And then they get home, the services get put in, but they're just not getting better. What happens then? Okay. Um, not uncommon. Um, so there'll be two things that could happen there. Um, if it's not too medically serious and it's more functional, um, mm. and acopia, which we know meaning they're not coping, the family's yeah. not coping, we would refer, see if there's availability to refer back to residential. If there's a spot in a residential transition care program, then yeah. they could possibly do a, a bit of time there and we could sort of change our discharge planning. If it's a yeah. medical insult, let's say they've fallen or gotten sick or something has happened, obviously we would, the client would go to hospital now, it is another importance is with transition care that there is a medical leave provision and it has changed since the 1st of July this year. So, so it's seven days of medical leave whilst in transition care. Um, and this sort of gives clients, it used to be 24 hours, so you're only allowed to be in hospital for 24 hours before you're discharged off our service, um, which... I guess is a bit of an issue for the client themselves and also the hospital. So now it's seven days and once they're taken to hospital, we contact the ward in which they are going to and we keep it a daily update on how the client's going. And we'll keep their bed open for seven days unless we are told otherwise, like it's more serious, um, they're going to need surgery, things like that. Once it's indicated the client won't be coming home within that time frame, we will discharge them from our service. Right. Now, can you mm -hmm. extend transitional care? So transitional care is 12 weeks, but can it be extended? And what's the mechanism for that? Yes. Yeah, so um, in some circumstances, we do need to extend. Um, and there's many reasons why that may happen. Um, and mm -hmm. they have to be um, goal specific and they have to be something that has, you know, I guess some strong reasoning behind it. Um, and that give us an example of that. An example of that may be that a family member has become sick or um, the client has just got, is, is so close to their goals but not quite there um, and there's some clear steps that we're taking to get those goals or we're awaiting council supports to take over um, or home care packages to, to come into play and that may be put off you know, because of waiting times and things like that. If those are the cases, um, we can extend it to maximum, and it's very rare this happens, 18 weeks. So it can be extended to 18 weeks. So you can't reapply for another package of transitional care at the end of your current package? No. It can only be extended to 18 weeks, yeah? So you can't get 24 weeks? No. The maximum yeah. is 18 weeks. And right. once we only can apply for an extension, say we're at week um, 10 or 11, we can apply for the um, to stay to up to 18 weeks, but it's through the My Age Care portal online right. and we have to sort of fill out a good questionnaire and it has to be really legitimate reasons why we'll be doing this. So, I mean, this is a great service, but, you know, who pays for this service? What, what kind of financial contribution is expected of clients and their families? Yeah, so it's partially obviously Commonwealth and state government funded um, and the client pays up to 17.5% of their um, pension for community and 50% for residential. So it equates to $10.85 a day for community and 
to I think it's 52.25 or something roughly around that number for residential. And this is, you know, obviously a lot cheaper than what you're paying for actual services. Um, residential TCP is very similar to paying for respite. Um, respite care and community is, you know, um, $10.85 a day, which is, you know, very cheap for the service that you're getting. Um, but, yes, mainly Commonwealth and state. Funded. Yeah. So the, the, the government effectively heavily subsidizes it, but there's a little bit of a gap payment yes. both for community and residential. And, and you, you mentioned that the fees for uh, residential TCP are basically the same as the fees for respite. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. Zoe, look, thanks so much for giving us your time and sharing with us your expertise on this subject. I really look forward to speaking to you about this in more detail in later episodes. But thank you for today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's all for today's MedHeads. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.